it's past time to broaden the narrative. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Broadening the Narrative. This is a podcast where I talk to some of my favorite people who have broadened the narrative for me. I'm your host, Nikki Pappas, and I'm so glad you're here. On today's episode of Broadening the Narrative, I'm joined by my friend Greg Singleton, and we will be discussing how he has cultivated a community garden. Before we begin, I just want to say that Greg is one of my favorite people because of the ways he not only acknowledges that a problem exists, but sets about to find a solution to the problem. And Greg, I've learned so much from you over the years, and I'm excited for our conversation, and thank you for joining me. Yeah, thanks for inviting me, Nikki. Yeah, well, let's jump in. Tell us a little about yourself and your background. Okay, so uh, if you introduce me, um, so I go by Greg. I grew up in Columbia, South Carolina, and was born and raised there. Um, went to school at uh, University of South Carolina in Columbia, and then uh, got a job in Charlotte, North Carolina, and decided to uh, move with a childhood friend to Rock Hill, kind of like halfway. I could still be close to fam and uh, like have a decent commute to work. So it's where I've been since and um, kind of definitely took on some different projects to try to uh, change some things around uh, where I live. So Very nice. Thanks for sharing that. Um, well, to begin here, where is the community garden located that you started? So uh of course it's in rock hill um the community is called boyd hill uh it is about 15 minutes um away from where i where i currently reside so not too far and it's a it's a it's an older neighborhood for sure um but and it's definitely like a, a lot of uh different activities going on but i just felt like that was something I could contribute um, was the garden, so, yeah. Yeah, well, why did you choose that particular location? Um, I feel like it, in a lot of ways, it kind of chose me. Like, I like, for sure, um, had an idea of what a, it took to actually like start a garden. Um, so there was some, just some like certain things that needed to like uh, stand out about the, the area. Um, one thing was uh, just knowing that, you know, obviously you need a lot of sunlight. So it turned out that the, the area that the garden's now at, it had like a pretty massive tree. Um, oh, and by the way, like, I guess I should mention that I bought the property with some, with some friends and the property itself uh, um, had like a whole extra, like half an acre behind it. That was on um, no no construction had been done on it. It's just just sitting there, kind of like un like unaffected by anything. No one's no one's done any like construction or anything. And so I um, had an issue where the largest tree on that on the piece of property fell, and mm. like it was just during a storm and just took out like all the other trees that oh, were lined man. up next to it. And uh, that that kind of created a you know a big job obviously but it also kind of this was like 2017 so it also kind of prepped the the ground because like one of the things I didn't know but kind of had an idea of uh I need to figure out was like a good part of starting a garden is a, is a soil test and so uh, I just was like okay well I haven't done anything like that kind of like testing before but um, just knowing that the tree fell and it had been like two years since since that happened, that mm-hmm. more than likely that that kind of helped with uh, prepping the the area in the first place. So yeah. there was that, and then the fact that the trees, the largest tree, had taken out all the others, like competing trees, kind of like left the the area like super open uh, relative to like you know what you would expect in a in a condensed neighborhood. Um, so it's plenty of sunlight like the average I think is like expected for a good uh, garden plot with like six to eight hours of, of like exposed sunlight with no like shade or anything 
So it's definitely gets that. I like learned that when I was cutting tree down. So <laughs> nice. So you said you had some ideas. Does that mean you had experience with community gardens in the past? Um, like not a community garden. Like my mom was like kind of like doing that as like a side hobby, her oh, little gotcha. tomato patch. And yeah. that was like my level of experience was her telling me to go out there and, and water her tomatoes. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. So what prompted you to start this community garden then in the back of the property? Um, so when I first bought the property with, with my friends, um, we were talking about how we could um, not only have some stake in the, prop, in, the, in the neighborhood as far as like property or houses are concerned, but also trying to figure out how we could help rejuvenated and it was obviously like one of the one of the things that you first comes to mind when you think about like rejuvenation is like landscaping and things like that so um it kind of like uh naturally came up in the conversation to say like maybe we could start a garden not to mention there was also i think a previous effort by um it was like a, a church um had set up their own little like um box plots that they had made and they weren't uh, they weren't tended to at the time when we like first bought the property and were like looking around to see like what was going on in the community. And I actually went uh, door knocking with uh, with another friend in the neighborhood just to like talk about Jesus for a little bit uh, with some different people. And uh, ran into this one really friendly guy who like let me in. We, we like talked for a little bit um, about some scripture. And then I asked him about the plot, um, the, like the little area where the ch little church had obviously set up. And he told me it was like um, a woman minister and she would, she like just tried to do some different things, but kind of got burned out. I think that's basically what he sounded like he said. Um, so it was kind of um, encouraging to know that someone had already tried but um, just said like, you know, obviously if she, you know, she's part of ministry, she's probably trying different things, throwing out different fillers, figure out what sticks. And this one just didn't. Um, but kind of just knowing that someone had already made an effort, um, like people would be like used to seeing people try stuff like that. So it gave me a little bit of uh, encouragement to try. What's your vision for the garden? Um, so, Another like like side project I'm part of is up in Fort Mill. Um, I kind of got involved with some other uh, brothers that are trying to um, help with like quote unquote rejuvenation of a neighborhood called Paradise. Mm -hmm. um, which when you when you think about Fort Mill in the first place, like living up here for about the past seven years, uh, I like realized like how big a disparity of um, I guess economic status. Yeah. I feel in Fort Mill have. So um, just when you even think about it, like off offhand, you're like, well, Fort Mill's for sure needs less help than uh, Rock Hill, but like this particular neighborhood has just uh, been neglected for for a while, and so it's um, a task that was taken up by um, a guy I met through this program, this uh, outdoor workout men's group called F3, and you know we uh instantly clicked because he was about the same different types of like um grassroots activist kind of things that i was i was interested in yeah uh he was you know 10 years or senior so he was already established as far as working and um had um you know built out into his lifestyle this opportunity to like go and mentor on the different uh age groups of kids in the neighborhood they had already started like a, a reading center um, we obviously, like I said, there's like the aspect of like getting outdoors and exercising. So mm -hmm. just naturally, we had already kind of like moved towards the conversation of saying we needed to talk about nutrition and health. Um, just to kind of re reinforce um, that like it's like a whole body thing when you start talking about, you know, uh, improving yourself like you can't neglect. Um, even like what you put in your body as far as like how you eat and stuff so um, it's like that kind of like was one of the elements that we were just trying to like touch on when we started talking about uh, mentoring 
in the neighborhood. So uh, having that kind of being further along than what I'm doing down in Rock Hill, I'm kind of uh, moving forward with what I know I can do, you know, just having that property, piece of property in Boyd Hill um, and being able to, to contribute to not only like whatever I can you know, produce, but also like just the knowledge that I have from like actually getting like uh, involved in that type of uh, activity and just kind of like passing that knowledge on to um, our, our group up in Fort Mill and, you know, already having like that blueprint of what they're doing in Fort Mill. Right. Slowly repli replicated in Rock Hill. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's talk more about the garden, like what you grow and why you chose to grow those foods. Okay. So um, I kind of, this being like my first like large plot, it's uh, like I said, it's about half an acre, the whole like area, but some of it's still covered with like brush and like uh, different things. There's a couple like smaller trees, but like they're further back to where it's not affecting like the shade, the area as far as shading and stuff. But uh, the area that's pretty open, I've still only using about half of it and it still comes out to about uh, 1800 square feet. And so I, I was like, okay, what, what's the most efficient way to like utilize this? So that was kind of like my first thought process was let me think about the amount of space I have. And so I, I started out with the plan to, to use a lot of it for tomatoes and green beans and cucumbers, just like a lot of things that people typically could like use to complement whatever they're already eating. Yeah. Um, I did try to experiment a little bit too with uh, some um, radishes and uh, beets just to like have like that combination of things that grow above ground and underground. So um, that was kind of just an experimental thing that I, that I decided to do. I also added, I wanted to try some different fruits, but the only thing I've done this year successfully looks like it's going to be is watermelon. So oh, I'm very wow. excited about that. Yeah. So it takes up a lot of space. Yeah. So that, that was kind of like a secondary thing of, I had already planted a lot of everything else and was kind of saying, okay, I have this one area that I haven't really committed anything to. And I, I figured um, this was also kind of like an experimentative year. So I was like, let me just see how out of control this gets. So I planted some of the environments and they're, they're definitely uh, taking up space, but like, I think I'm managing. So. That's awesome. And you said you experimented with radishes and beets yeah how did those do um they're they're doing they're doing pretty good i i've harvested a few um i actually feel like that's they're a little bit easier um the the reason why it was kind of why well, i said it was kind of an experiment was uh i had done a lot of my 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 research uh, early on trying to figure out how to like time things and um just knew just because uh um I, I don't know if I even told you this but I you know this but I'm a tax accountant so the busiest part of the year for me uh, is uh um obviously like the growing season so <laughs> so uh I was doing yeah. trying to figure out how to do a lot of my growing um indoors so I could kind of like tend to it without having to be outside, at least the, the initial phase, because that's probably like the most vulnerable part for most plants is like when they're seedlings, um, which kind of makes sense. But um, I, I tried to just make sure I had a good start with whatever I put out outdoors. So I wouldn't like, you know, put a lot of time into it. And then, you know, something happened to it halfway through its like early stage, um, which, which worked out really well, but obviously you can't do that with things that grow better underground. So, um, that's why I basically said it was more of an experiment just to see how well that, how well I did. So it turned out pretty well though. Yeah. And when we first got on the call, you showed me a plant. Can you talk about that plant? Yeah. So um, it's called a Moringa plant and um, basically the health benefits that are perceived by it um, are supposed to be like, like 
a lot more wide uh, spread than like your average like vegetable that you you can harvest from like you know like say like I talked about green beans and you know, tomatoes and cucumbers which are like mostly water but uh, like there's there's a lot more nutrients apparently in uh, these the fruit from these plants so um, they're also supposed to be highly used within a lot of um, uh, African cultures and it, my knowledge of it really is just just getting started with like how like widespread um, like like agricultural knowledge is uh, for you know um, like Af African culture and so this yeah. is kind of like my ability my opportunity to just kind of step out of, out of my comfort zone and um, was encouraged by uh, except one of the guys in, up in the 3S where I got, uh, up in Fort Mill, sorry, where I got the uh, seeds from. Yeah. And the plants took off pretty well. So I'm interested to see once it starts rooting um, uh, how how it tastes, because I actually haven't even tasted it yet. <laughs> yeah, you'll have to let me know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I love that so much. Um, well, what does it take to cultivate the garden? Um, so I... Like I talked about earlier, kind of the first phase of um, your planting is going to be just trying to make sure that it gets a good start. And one of the things I learned about starting starting plants, especially from seed, is that it's not as uh, high of a success rate with uh, your seedlings when you plant them outdoors and like you're straight into mm. your soil, just because. Um, a lot of the stuff that you're using outdoors is going to be more compact um, than what seeds really need to have to actually like really get uh, get starting on their roots. And so that was kind of one of the other good reasons to start a lot of things indoors uh, was just to uh, help the plants get a good, strong um, rooting system and just kind of transplanting, um, which Still, transplanting has its own risk too, because it's just, it's pretty easy to damage root the root system, and uh, yeah. that's one of the things that you have to like really be careful with is how how you deal with transplanting um, the plants. Uh, and you know, I think watering is obviously like a super important part about any type of plant you're you're like trying to take care of, and it's it's a uh, I think it's probably the most uh, unclear part, even after doing research, of like yeah. what's the most efficient thing to do. But um, you definitely just have to kind of just watch the plant and just kind of respond to respond to the changes that you see in it as as you go. Um, I kind of got a, like a a general rule of thumb that most plant most uh, yeah uh, gardens need about. Uh, was it 0.6 gallons per per week um and so i kind of like use that as like a barometer to try to avoid over over watering and kind of like not being consistent with watering because i think that's that's probably like the the biggest thing is your your um your plants like respond to what you what you do so like um this kind of goes back to like the transplanting part as well um anything that you do, you gotta be consistent with. So starting plants on the in, indoors kind of like in, increases the need to like slowly get them used to being in outdoors. So you have to kind of uh, like put slowly put them out outside over um, you know the less uh, heated part of the day um, and like do it like within like hour increments. So like the first day you have it outside for like an hour and then um, you bring it back in, indoors and then slowly increase the time over the course of a few days so like a lot of it's just like consistency um a lot of like what i've planted i've seen things um start to wither and i was like oh no i'm killing it and then <laughs> uh you know just i stayed consistent um make sure I, I i kept watering it uh pruned it you know where like a lot of parts had like fully like died off and a lot of things did come back so um it was definitely like a learning process with that but um, after doing a lot of research about saying like, you know, you're not killing it if it starts to, uh, you know, yellow or and things like that. Sometimes it's just trying to tell you that, you know, it needs something. So you just kind of have to learn to listen to 
what it's trying to tell you. <laughs> yeah. So it does sound like a lot of experimentation and yeah, looking at the plants and figuring out what they need. And I love the language of listening to them to see like they're going to tell you what they need. Um, I really like that. Well, what have you seen as far as benefits of a community garden? So um, I, I had already had the property, um, like I said, since 2017. And, uh, you know, that, that kind of helped me get more acclimated with the neighborhood and, you know, different things like, like, I, like I talked about the door knocking and um, how that kind of like helped me know a little bit better, you know, what the demographic was in the neighborhood. Um, it's, if, you, if you actually like look at it, it almost looks like it's a lot more older people in the neighborhood uh, than younger, but I think it's actually pretty evenly spread out. And I think over the time of spent, like, you know, spending a lot more time outdoors um, over there, just like, you know, watering and trying to tend to the area, uh, I've definitely uh, have a better idea of who, who lives in the, in the neighborhood. So that's, that's just like one of the benefits of trying to um, do something like that. And, and like a new environment is like obviously you're gonna get to know um, people as like they walk they walk by and they'll stop yeah. and talk to you. Um, so I've I've like I've had some uh, people introduce themselves multiple times, which is fine. But mm -hmm. uh, you know, but uh, I definitely think people have gotten used to me uh, being over there now, and you know I'll, I'll hear the um, I guess more encouraging voice say, you know, we're just really happy to see someone doing something like this in the neighborhood. And so like, it's, it's been people being willing to give me words of encouragement about, you know, what I'm trying to do in the neighborhood that so a lot of them say that they've lived there their whole lives and they haven't seen like, particularly my layout, my layout is kind of interesting. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but uh, they were, they were just saying like, yeah, I've never really even really seen anything like this. So we're like really, um, excited to see something like this uh, show up in the, in the neighborhood and um, you know uh, I've also handed out a lot of what I've grown just uh, yeah. to, to some of the different um, houses they've been really uh, thankful and um, uh, I've, made, I've made like some some friends with some of the young people like uh, one of the one of the kids has been out there since like the tree fell and he like would come over and try to ask to like cut up some of the wood <laughs> that and you know since then he kind of would you know call out to me when he sees me and like I've had him out there um helping me tend to some of like the the weeding and stuff like that I haven't really had him doing the planning yet but because a, a lot of that was really kind of like um at the height of when we were worried about the virus and all that so um he wasn't out there with me then but since then I've had him uh, out there helping a little bit and I've given them some cucumber for, for the work he's done. So that's kind of like a um, part of like the long-term goal is to kind of continuously like uh, get people like him, some of the younger kids more involved with what I'm doing, have them go through the whole process of planting and seeing their plant uh, come to maturity and stuff. So. Yeah, I love that so much. In what other ways have you seen the garden cultivate community in addition to relationships like that? Um, so I think, uh, like I said, that, that being, there being like a mixed uh, um, group of, of, of age ranges. Um, there's the older generation, obviously, like, uh, it's going to be a little bit less likely to, to be um engaging with the the young folk outside of you know uh i'm assuming uh uh most of it's probably just going to be like them um interacting at, i guess at church there there is like a, a larger uh church um the boy in boyd hill um and so if they're not doing that i don't know like if the if the kids aren't going there, or if some of the older members in the community aren't going there, I don't imagine how much more they're really interacting with each other. Mm -hmm. So uh, one of the 
the other aspects of that is I've I've seen across uh, from my my plot um, another gentleman and I've talked to him. His name's John, um, who also is like pretty good gardener, uh, mm-hmm. a lot better than me um, right now. But uh, you know, he told me he if I ever needed some help, uh, he would be willing to um, to lend a hand. And I I didn't take advantage of it this year, obviously, like I said, with all the other stuff going on. But um, I just, I can see that kind of being, and like this was something that when I talked to different different people, which are obviously gonna be older um, and more experienced with gardening, um, that this was just a a, a really easy way to kind of like um, start some mentoring um, opportunities, like just more naturally than kind of like forcing it yeah, between yeah. the older generation and the younger generation it's kind of like um I talked to my parents a lot about this was it was kind of like I feel like my my age range like people born between like I guess probably maybe like 1985 to like maybe like maybe mid 90s um were kind of especially of people of African-American descent kind of see a lot of like the outdoor work like gardening and things like that it's a little too closely tied to like, you know, our history in this country. Mm-hmm. And we, we just kind of, I think, struggle with like a lot of outdoor things, but we're like, my generation for sure is kind of like working on that stuff as we get older, um, being more outdoors, being more uh, in tune with nature and stuff. But um, it's just that, that kind of hang up isn't even there for um, the generation that's coming after us. And just kind of like trying to take advantage of that. Um, and just trying to nurture uh, like that type of interaction outdoors, um, which is obviously missing because we're we're slowly becoming more um, attached to technology and and detached from uh, nature. So I'm glad you've been able to have conversations like that with your parents and be able to kind of bridge some gaps with the younger generation and it's really cool to hear how you're doing that. I was wondering if you could speak to some of the challenges that you faced with the garden and how you've responded to those challenges. Yeah, so like I, I've talked about some like the watering stuff, but one of the biggest things was probably um, me moving. This is, this is just my, like I, I find myself trying to be like uh, really patient with the all the steps, but kind of got ahead of myself and transplanted some things probably faster than I needed to. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like uh, it, I, I really think this is kind of a um, a common thing that a lot of people deal with. But just it was kind of discouraging my first year. Um, we had we had a little bit of a cooler like start to summer um, than we normally do. Yeah. And uh, the fact that I did try to time a lot of my stuff, uh, like, as if it was going to be a warm, you know, spring into uh, early summer, uh, a lot of the things I put outdoors, like some of my tomato plants, a large portion of my tomato plants, a large portion of the green bean plants, really just did not do well uh, early on. And so, like, I really didn't have a lot going for me as far as harvesting-wise. all the way through like late April. And I had already started putting things out through like March. Um, so it was kind of just having like, you know, endure that, <laughs> having a lot yeah. of things out there watering and nothing really coming uh, as far as like, like anything fruiting or anything. So uh, that was pretty discouraging. And then having um, the layout. So I didn't talk about the layout yet because I was telling you how it's interesting compared to. Uh, yeah what a lot of the um, people in the neighborhood have seen before. So I, I actually like had it where um, I had gotten a lot of mulch um, from uh, some work that we had done at, at the church I was attending and um, had spread that um, on the ground to kind of like, oh, like keep the weeds down. Mm. And uh, one of the uh, people that were, that was helping me kind of told me that they thought it should, it would be more beneficial for the older generation if I got more people to start helping me once I got things going 
um, to have like a raised bed set up. This, mm. mind you, they told me this. What was it? It was like uh, sometime in December, and I had already like made my decision because I, I had started like prepping the ground since like you know since September, and like had already got my soil test um, started. I think I had got the results back like early October, and was already like doing what I needed to do as far as like um, what to plant, um, as far as the cover crop. Uh, how to get the, the soil ready as far as tilling and all that kind of stuff. Um, was thinking about what, what kind of fertilizer I needed because that was one, another one of the um, tidbits of information that you get from the soil test is it tells you what, what type of fertilizer you use. So all this is assuming I'm using my topsoil, right? And so I'm like, okay, so I'm going to use my topsoil. Um, I'm going to use the uh, wood chest and things like that to help partition um, uh, what I'm, my layout. Uh, for the ground and you know I get this conversation about the the raised beds on uh, in December and so I'm like man I got like bit, like I, I am a tax accountant so like busy season still right around the corner and so I like I really want to have it as uh, um, uh, inviting as possible to like different uh, age groups because like, I guess like I said I already knew what I was doing within the neighborhood so I said okay I'm gonna I'm going to buckle down and I'm going to try to like get this thing to where it's like uh, a raised bed set up. So I got, I fortunately had a connection to get a large number of, of wooden pallets. And mind you, it's like, you can't just use any pallets. Like you have to actually have uh, untreated pallets. And th these are like, because you know, obviously like if you have them treated, they have chemicals on them and that's not safe for a garden. So I had to find a certain type of pallet. There's probably like, upwards of like over 36 pallets out there like stacked um some like half of them are stacked so it's probably like 24 stacked too high and then there's like 12 laid out um on the other like um south the southern part side of the of the garden so it's like um it's it's like one side's obviously shorter than the other but it, it took so so much work to not only get the layout done, but then like get the soil high enough to where, you know, the raised bed, like the higher side actually like was ready to be planted and you, you barely need to bend down. Um, so I got, I got to where like, like one side was definitely higher than the other and like ready to, to uh, plant, I think by like March, like I had everything set up. And of course, you know, that was when COVID hit. So um, I was like, oh, okay, well, uh, I'm not going to have that many people out here, especially not older people. So uh, <laughs> I had done a lot of that work for, for no reason. But um, I definitely knew how to, I know how to do it now. So there's that. Um, and it's, it's definitely, I remind you, a lot more uh, garden soil to buy when you do raised beds than if you have it uh, um, ground level. But um, so yeah, those are those are some of like the the hardships for sure. But uh, um, I'm pretty proud of what I've done. So, well, I guess not having the older people out there is one way that COVID nineteen has affected your plans. But has COVID nineteen affected your plans connected to the garden in any other ways? Um, I'd say like that would probably be like the negative part of it, but. Um, the positive side is um, I kind of took it as this year was a lot more, you know, in upheaval to where mm. um, it gave me more room to just kind of like do whatever. So like, I, like I said, I, I'd done a lot, enough um, research to kind of know like what I need to do as far as like starting a lot of different types of plants and things like that. And so that's really where I was like, yeah. Um, I have all this space like yeah, yeah, that wasn't that was another part was like spacing I was mm -hmm. like obviously going to need to be um a little bit more intentional than if it was you know just people my age um and younger and out there so I had it spaced I feel like to where there was plenty of room for people to uh walk but you know after realizing that it was just going to mostly just be me out there I kind of um that's really where I got the uh, incentive to just, or the idea to just go ahead and um, 
like plant the, the watermelon so that's that's kind of mm-hmm. like where i was like if even if it does get out of control like i can step over it like it's fine but uh <laughs> but uh that was that was kind of like one of the things that came out was like oh, i can experiment more because like no one else is really going to be out here and um kind of kind of felt a little bit less uh uh restricted so yeah yeah i love you being able to take that negative aspect but then do something like utilize the land for watermelons then or some crop that you wouldn't have probably done otherwise right yeah well what have you been able to celebrate as a result of cultivating the community garden there um i definitely feel like i i've like changed um people's outlook of me in the neighborhood i think um you know just just knowing that, like we talked about a little bit earlier, like it's a low income neighborhood and um, I'm young and I come in there and I buy a property, you know, uh, people have a certain, gonna have a certain like perspective of me um, that might not be down to earth. Um, that obviously I'm not from there. Um, but I think trying to contribute in this way kind of like changes a lot of aspects of that. I definitely feel like people have been much more willing to kind of like come up and start a conversation. Um, so uh, I definitely feel like I'm more a part of the neighborhood uh, now, um, which is, you know, in some ways invaluable. So uh, yeah, just trying to look, looking forward to what um, I can do with that over the course of, uh, you know, years of, of like working and, you know, getting better and better at what I'm doing as far as the gardening aspect of it and what else I can uh, contribute um, to that neighborhood. Um, I didn't send you this question ahead of time, but something I've been thinking through is when you talked about like the rushing with the transplanting for some of the um, crops at one point and the needing to kind of just be patient. I was curious if you could talk about what the garden has taught you. Yeah, um, I, I guess I, I like to think I'm like a patient person, but I think uh, kind of when things don't uh, go the way, you know, you plan them, it kind of creates like, uh, like that rushing feeling, like you got mm-hmm. to have, you have to still have to figure out how to make it work. Yeah. Um, and um, I definitely think going through this the way I've had to the first time it's kind of like like I've, I've reflected on it more now that you know obviously things are doing a lot better in the garden um that uh you know it, it's gonna work out uh even if uh a lot of things don't go the way you like you plan them as long as you stay consistent and uh you know I definitely think someone like a lesson like that kind of kind of comes around in different different shapes and forms but this is probably the first time I've really had to deal with it with like something I'm saying like it's a hobby is like uh um it's not like a lot of benefits to it but uh if you try to you know get to a far ahead yourself um you know it it creates a lot more stress than you really uh did necessary and so um, it's definitely like a different type of patience that uh, I've had the experience by uh, working with uh, plants and, and gardening. So I'm looking forward to kind of growing in that way um, the more I do this, because I, I definitely think it's kind of like a, becomes more of an ingrained thing. The more you like, you work with plants that, you know, you can just have to learn how to tend to them the way they, they want to be tended to. Um, so, yeah. Thanks for answering that kind of on the fly. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, how can others support the garden? So, um, I've been trying to think through like what I need um, with it being kind of like a, a off year. Um, I've I've got different like ideas like out there as far as like being a part of a farmers market. Like I didn't take advantage of that this year just because of some of the earlier mishaps, but then also like just started to think even once it like kind of took off, 
as far as like um, the fruiting for the, a lot of the plants. I was like, I really just didn't have that in mind um, early on. Like, obviously, that was like something that down the road would be a good way of kind of like encouraging some of the younger folk to like, uh, man, like start with you know earning some money even before they could like especially some of the younger kids that can't get a job yet like letting them be a part of something like that so they can kind of like um be encouraged about you know putting in some work and getting a a reward for it uh, financially uh so i thought that was like a really good idea so um long term i want to try to continue uh building a network between uh the farmer's market and whatever else I can do as far as like getting resources for that neighborhood. I, I definitely think um, the there's like with all the different things going on during uh, COVID uh, with the social unrest and stuff, uh, Rock Hill's kind of responded in its own way. Like I got invited to this uh, Facebook group for Rock Hill mm-hmm. um, and they're uh they have some different gentlemen that are like trying to do different things in the community as far as like mentor opportunities and so um i want to continue to try to build a network of people who are doing those types of things because like like i said um a lot of uh like um progress as far as like really give giving back to the community and um making sure that, like uh, some of these more neglected uh, communities are still getting re- like access to resources. Yeah. Um, a lot of that's happening up in Fort Mill with the group I'm working with, but I'm trying to replicate it down here in Rock Hill. So um, I, I definitely think that's helped with that Facebook group. I got in contact with uh, a guy that was trying to, um, trying to, trying to put on, like workshops and like uh, a mentorship program for um, repair and maintenance. So like HVAC and uh, electrical and different, different types of uh, uh, repair, repair and maintenance types of uh, work like that for people from the age group of like eight to 18, I think he said, or yeah. Oh, wow. And so um, like if I could, I want to try to find more things like that uh, to get kids involved with in that neighborhood because there's there's plenty of them um around and i mean um the garden is obviously like like for sure like the route i'm taking uh personally but i think the more um, we build a network of uh different uh things i can point people to as far as saying like okay well um yeah we have uh the farmer's market um uh, we're doing like the maintenance and repair mentorship stuff we're we're trying to get kids involved in some any any other type of activities like that where they kind of get you know uh busy with something and like kind of start to like do their own personal research and start to become you know more knowledgeable and things like that i think that's kind of like really where i'm trying to get get to is like having um being a liaison for that kind of stuff for for people in the neighborhood like that so yeah yeah so what is your hope for the community then as you continue in your endeavors cultivating the garden? I mean, I've, I've talked to some of the older um, uh, folk in the neighborhood and they, they talk about uh, the need to, to really try to revitalize Boy Hill. I, I think that there are a lot of efforts already in the neighborhood as far as um, different churches investing. Like I was, I talked about, um, the female minister that that uh that started her own plot and you know obviously like you know she moved on to some different things but there's 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 some other church communities that have come into the neighborhood and invested i've talked to some of the some of the guys in f3 and they've they've told me um they they're aware of some churches that invest in boy hill and like i said obviously there's already the established uh um, Boy Hill Church, um, that that I would that, that I know for sure um, invest, but there's you know, uh, still plenty of things to do, and you know just knowing that uh, right now Fort Mill is seen as like the most uh, 
the I think the fastest growing like city in our country. I'm pretty sure it said it's like some article I read recently. Um, um, it's it's a uh, I think it's becoming more apparent in a lot of people's uh, uh, minds, like what is um, what's been like happening to like a lot of predominantly African American neighborhoods um, over the course of our country's history and stuff like that. And this yeah. is this is one of one of those neighborhoods in Rock Hill that for sure uh, still has a lot of history um, with it. And you know, still is inhabited by you know predominantly African American community. So uh, just trying to preserve it and have it be ready for um, the changes that are happening to Rock Hill. Just knowing about you know um, the Panthers practice facility, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. trying to move down. There's a lot of opportunity for people to come in. You know, really kind of like change things. You know, hopefully for the better. But uh, the more we're investing already um, in the direction that we want it to go before someone else can come in and kind of like decide it for us, um, mm-hmm. that's probably the better. So, you know, that's, that's kind of like the far off thought process with what I'm doing. Yeah. Well, what can privileged people commit to in order to help bring this just hope of yours to fruition in the Boyd Hill community for them to have access to all the resources that they need to have access to? Um, you know, I, I've been trying to uh, take advantage of how close I am back home in Columbia. This is just something that um, I've kind of had like a little bit of a varying success with as far as like collaborating with different people. Mm-hmm. I got, um, it was really surprising how much um, uh, progress I had made just from speaking up um, during the workouts with so the workout group I, I, I'm with with F3 and you know this in Rock Hill like I said it's, pre- it's predominantly white um, and you know but they're they they understand like the way I express it to them they understand the how financial hardship and economic situations can affect uh your outlook and progress and things like that. So when you when you tailor the conversation a certain way, people who aren't even, um, I guess that's the best way to say it, um, aren't necessarily prepared for some of like the more uh, nuanced or maybe like unfamiliar conversations about bias and things like that. The like they're they're ready to to hear. Um, how to how to make things better. Um, some some people do have uh, a heart for that, but just aren't um, knowledgeable about uh, just different disadvantages and issues that people are facing. So uh, I think my biggest thing that I would say about you know privileged people, and this is including myself too, is like us trying to be more, um, just be more humble and recognize like gatekeeping some of this progressive work as far as like especially like community community stuff is you're you're going to run into people in different stages for sure um and i think that that's like a big roadblock with like um like grassroots stuff is like um it's definitely a need to educate and it's definitely need to continue to try to like move the whole group forward as much as possible with a lot of, a lot of uh, these issues, like a lot of the social issues, even with um, gentrification and things like that, like I talked about earlier, um, aren't going to get fixed without people knowing what's going on. But um, um, I, I, I definitely just think I've run into enough roadblocks <laughs> kind of <laughs> funny, <laughs> funny dealing with the, uh, members of uh, church communities, um, uh, not just in Rock Hill, just like, like I said, I went down to Columbia and, and talked to some people at my, my, my parents' church about what I'm trying to do and like surprised at how much pushback I got with uh, people saying, well, we don't work with these people. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, you know, we're, we're, we just see things differently. And I'm, 
I, I think uh, the more you can figure out how to work around that, whatever it takes, I think uh, is, is really important. Because um, uh, like all, all of that, the issue of like gatekeeping, trying to say, well, we're, we're gonna include these people, we're not gonna include these people. Um, mm -hmm. it, it's a double-edged sword for sure. So uh, just kind of trying to keep that in mind um, as, as a group that's more privileged to try to say, like, figure out how to be more inviting to those that you disagree with. Yeah, thank you for sharing that, Greg. And thank you for opening up about your experiences cultivating the garden, the challenges, but also the things that you can celebrate. And I'm really excited for the future of the garden and can't wait to hear how the rest of the crops do. And um, and the next season of crops as you've taken things you've learned and we'll apply those and I've enjoyed just getting to have this conversation with you. So thanks for coming on to the show. Thank you for having me again. Yeah. yeah it was so good. I want to thank Sequina Murray for the voice clip she sent to me for the episode intro. You can purchase her music on Bandcamp at bandy17.bandcamp.com. Her music is available on most streaming services under the name Bandy. I also want to thank Jordan Lukens for his help with editing and Daniel Boland for creating the episode graphic. Please subscribe and review the show, but only if you're planning on leaving a five-star review. Otherwise, you can just skip this part. You can access the Broadening the Narrative blog by visiting broadeningthenarrative.blogspot.com and you can find the Broadening the Narrative page on Instagram by searching for at broadeningthenarrative and on Twitter by searching for at broadnarrative. I hope that if you know and love me, you can engage with the Broadening the Narrative blog, social media accounts, and podcast, as well as any recommended resources. Then you can share with people who know and love you. And little by little, person by person, we can broaden the narrative. Grace and peace, friends.